We are going to continue our series on prayer tonight, looking at another facet of powerful, effective prayer. We'll see what that is in 1 John 3, 21 through 23. 1 John 3, 21 through 23. One John three twenty one through twenty three. Here, God's word read for you now. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God, and receive from Him anything we ask, because we obey His commands, and do what pleases Him. And this is His command to believe in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as He commanded us. As far as the reading of God's Word. Last week we looked at several characteristics of powerful and effective prayer, and we, we saw from Acts chapter 12 that powerful, effective prayer is prayer prayed to God with feeling by the church. This evening we learned something else about powerful, effective prayer, and it's that powerful and effective prayer is inextricably linked or bound up with obedience. We see that clearly uh, in verses 21 and really in verse 22, but verse 21 helps make sense of verse 22. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from Him anything we ask. Why? Because we obey His commands and do what pleases Him. That is an an astounding statement, isn't it? John says, we receive from God anything we ask because we obey His commands and do what pleases Him. Again, in it we see that powerful, effective prayer is inextricably linked to obedience. Now, this, this doesn't come out of nowhere. It might not be stated uh, as clearly anywhere else as it is here in 1 John 3, but, but we see this connection between prayer and the Christian's obedience already in, in the Old Testament. Psalm 66, 18 says this, if I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. If I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. Proverbs 28 verse 9 says, if anyone turns a deaf ear to the law, even his prayers are detestable. So already in the Old Testament, we see this this link between prayer and obedience. We also see it in in Jesus' own life. In John 8 29, Jesus says, the one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do what pleases Him. And then a few chapters later in John 11, Jesus says, Father, I thank You that You have heard me. I know that You always hear me. Right? So Jesus says in chapter 8, I always do what pleases the Father. And then a couple chapters later, He says, Father, I know You always hear me. Right? There's a connection there. The one who is always heard by the Father is the one who always does what pleases the Father. So, what John says here 
in 1 John 3 is not new. This hasn't come out of nowhere. Throughout Scripture, powerful, effective prayer is inextricably linked to obedience. I like how R.A. Torrey puts it, just plain. The one who expects God to do as he asks him must on his part do whatever God asks. If we give a listening ear to all of God's commands to us, He will give a listening ear to all our petitions of Him. If, on the other hand, we turn a deaf ear to His precepts, we ought not be surprised that He turns a deaf ear to our prayers. Here we find the secret of much unanswered prayer in our day. We are not listening to God's Word, and therefore He is not listening to our prayers. A.W. Tozer said something very similar. He said, uh, have you noticed how much praying for revival has been going on of late and how little revival has resulted? I believe the problem is that we have been trying to substitute praying for obeying, and it simply will not work. To pray for revival while ignoring the plain precepts laid down in in Scripture is to waste a lot of words and get nothing for our trouble. Prayer will become effective when we stop using it as a substitute for obedience. Now, what is the connection between prayer and obedience? The connection's there. That's pretty clear from Scripture. What is, what is the connection? Is this, is this a quid pro quo? Is that like a swear word like right now? Right? With all the impeachment stuff, that phrase has been thrown around a lot lately. Basically, it means, I'll do something for you if you do something for me. It's a, it's a favor for a favor. In the case of President Trump, he's accused of, of offering to exchange military aid with Ukraine for an investigation of the Bidens. Quid pro quo. I'll do this for you. You do this for me. Again, I said only that's an accusation. I make no comment further on that, right? This is where it stands. As John says, it's a mess, right? John Roosevelt somewhere around here. He told us that a couple weeks ago. Whatever. Anyways, quid pro quo. Is that the connection between, between prayer and obedience? Is God, saying, is God saying, you obey me, and I will answer your prayer? Or maybe another way to ask is, does, does obedience earn God's favor in prayer? Is God saying to us tonight, as, as a reward for your obedience, in exchange for your obedience, I'll answer your prayers. Make sure you get what you ask. Somehow that's, sometimes, like, i got to be honest, sometimes that's how I work with, with my children, right? They, they ask me for something, and I, I might not say this out loud, but I think, you know, yeah, you have been a good little boy lately, and so as a reward, I'll, you know, I'll get you that candy bar or uh, or whatever, right? We, we do kind of, kind of operate this way with our children. When they are good, we're more apt to grant their requests than when they're bad. Is that what's going on here? Well, the answer is, is, is no. Um, I guess I say that maybe cautiously, but we need to remember that our hope and prayer is ever and always in Christ. And the blessings that God bestows upon us in and through prayer are blessings secured for us only by the precious blood of Christ. We can never forget what Paul says in Ephesians 1 verse 3, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. 
So every spiritual blessing we have, every spiritual blessing we receive is ours only in and through Christ. From our election unto salvation, to our adoption as God's children, to the forgiveness of our sins, to the gift of prayer, and to our success in prayer, all of it is ours in and through Christ. Every spiritual blessing is ours in Him, procured for us by His blood. So to think that our obedience somehow earns God's favor, somehow merits His powerful answer to our prayers, that is not correct. Okay, God does not say, well, you've been a, you've been a good boy, so I'm going to heal you of this sickness, or I'm going to provide for this need. No, if he, if he does heal us of some sickness when we ask, or provide for some need when we ask, it's because we are in Christ. And God loves to give good gifts to His children. What is the connection then between obedience and prayer? Well, John Stott, I think, is right when he, he calls obedience uh, not the cause of answered prayer, but the, the condition of answered prayer. I like to think of obedience as really the, the soil out of which powerful and effective prayer grows up. That is, powerful and effective prayer is something that arises out of a life that continually practices love for God and neighbor. And there's really two reasons that this, this sort of obedience would lead to powerful and effective prayer. The first is that, is that obedience gives us confidence before God. That's really what's being said here in 1 John 3, if you look at the passage in its wider context John here is is talking about loving one another, and what John says here is that when we love one another in obedience to God's Word, our hearts won't condemn us, and we'll have confidence before God, and it's out of this confidence that powerful and effective prayer will arise. If I have confidence that God hears me, and I'm assured of my standing uh, in Christ before God, then I'm going to be more apt to look to God for every good thing. I'm going, to, I'm going to find myself approaching God in prayer more assuredly and more confidently. That's what, that's what obedience does. That's the, one of the roles it plays in the Christian life. Obedience does not save us. The obedience of Christ saves us. But our obedience does serve to, to confirm our salvation. Our obedience does serve to give us an assurance of our salvation. 1 John 2, 3, just a chapter before, says, we know that we have come to know Him, the Lord, if we obey His commands. If you read further after our verses, I think the same, the same point is made. Those who obey His commands live in Him, and He in them. And this is how we know that He lives in us. That's verse 24 at the end of 1 John 3. Right? So, so when, I, when I see myself, or when you see yourself loving your neighbor... You see yourself looking to the interests of, of another. You see yourself exercising patience maybe towards, towards your children, forgiving someone who's sinned against you. It shouldn't puff you up, but it should assure you of your faith and of your relationship with God through Christ. You should see in those things evidences of God's work in your heart. You should, you should say, though, I know when I see patience and when I see myself looking to the interests of others and, and, and God gives me grace to actually see it, I know enough to know that that's not me by nature, okay? That's God working in me. And that gives me an assurance 
of my faith and an assurance of my salvation and an assurance of my relationship with God through Christ. The Catechism asks, if I'm saved by grace, I'm paraphrasing, if I'm saved by grace, why must I still do do good? And one of the answers is, so that we may be assured of our faith by its fruits. Okay, obedience gives us confidence before God. And just as you find yourself willing and ready and able to make requests of those in your everyday life whom you have confidence in, so will the one who has confidence in God be willing, ready, and able to make requests of Him and to pray unto Him in faith. A second reason that powerful, effective prayer grows out of the soil of Christian obedience is because uh, the one who, who is obedient to the will of God and who does what pleases God has in mind the will of God. Next week, we're going to see that powerful and effective prayer is prayer prayed in the name of Jesus and according to His will. Well, who is it that shows they have in mind the will of God, but those who keep the commands of God and who do what pleases God? Who is it that shows they have in mind the will of God, but those who believe in God's Son, Jesus Christ, and love others as God has commanded them to? Okay, these, these things here aren't mutually exclusive. They all, they all work together. Doing the will of God goes with having in mind the will of God. These things, they go together. They're evidence of the other. You might think about it this way as an example. Those who, those who keep the commands of God, those who do what pleases God, those who trust God's Son and love their neighbor as themselves, they are not those praying like the Pharisee in the temple. You think of the Pharisee in the temple, Luke 18. This story is such a good illustration for so many points. I feel like I'm always going to it, but, but it's a good illustration here again. The Pharisee, he, he stood up and he prayed about himself. He said, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like that tax collector over there. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all I get. That was his prayer. It was a proud prayer. It was a self-righteous prayer. And the fact is, God did not hear that man's prayer. I mean, he heard it, but But he didn't honor it, right? That man did not go home justified. He did not receive mercy. He did not receive grace. Nor did he ask for those things, if you look at his prayer. But that's the point. The man didn't trust in God's son. He trusted in himself. The man didn't love his neighbor. He loved himself. And his prayer was proud. And his prayer was not according to God's will. And his prayer was not powerful and effective. Obedience to God. Love for God and neighbor is the soil out of which powerful, effective prayer goes. Our obedience to God and our living lives that please God show that we have hearts that are in tune with the will of God. And from those hearts arise prayers that are pleasing to God and that God delights to answer. R.C. Sproul says, ultimately, any affirmative answer to prayer comes when we pray according to God's will. If we do what pleases God, we evidence a good knowledge of His Word and thus of His will. Those who obey God's will and have their prayer, excuse me, those who obey God's will also pray God's will and have their prayers answered in accordance with God's will. So powerful, effective prayer, it's, it's inextricably linked to obedience. 
The one who finds herself receiving all that she asks for in prayer is the one who obeys God's commands and strives to live a life that pleases Him. This is good for us to see. R.A. Torrey, again, tells of a woman who had once professed to be a Christian, but then had given it all up. When he asked her why she no longer followed Jesus, she said because she did not believe the Bible. He was a good evangelist. He pressed her further. Good things for us to do too. Just ask him questions, right? Why don't you believe the Bible, he asked her. She said, because I've tried the Bible's promises and they are not true. He pushed her further. Which promises? She said, the promises about prayer. He said again, which promises about prayer? And she answered, does not the Bible say, whatsoever you ask believing, you shall receive? And he responded, it says something like that. And the woman responded, well, I asked, I asked fully expecting to get, but I did not receive. And so the promise failed. And Tori asked her, was the promise made to you? And she answered, why, certainly. The promise is made to all Christians, is it not? And he answered, no. God carefully defines who you is. That is, whose believing prayers he agrees to answer. And then Tori turned with this woman to our text, 1 John 3, 22. And he read with her, and we receive from him anything we ask because we obey his commands and do what pleases him. And Reuben Tori again, he, he asked the woman, that time you prayed, were you keeping God's commandments? And doing things that were pleasing in His sight? Was your life in His sight pleasing to Him? And the woman, she was struck and she confessed that, that she was not. And she soon came to see that, that the real difficulty in prayer was not with God's promises or God's Word, but it was with herself. How true is that in our own lives as well? Jesus says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. He who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. And then we ask, we seek, we knock, we do not receive, and we think the problem is with God. But dear friends, we, we are sinful by nature. So much of what we say and think and do is not pleasing in God's sight. And you know it and I know it. The real problem with prayer is right in here. It's right in here. And the fact is we, we need, those of us who realize this realize, we need God's, God's grace and we need God's mercy and we need God's healing if we are going to be people who ever pray powerfully and effectively, consistently. We need God to change our hearts and to give us grace to love Him and to love each other. So much of our prayers as sinful people are self-centered, aren't they? They're self-centered, me-first prayer. Look at the Lord's Prayer. I'm convicted by the Lord's Prayer just when I look at it, right? What did Jesus tell us to ask for? He told us to pray for the advancement of God's name, God's will, God's kingdom, and God's glory. The only part of the prayer that was concerned with our physical lives was the request for daily bread, 
The rest of it was concerned with our spiritual lives and our spiritual well-being. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and deliver us from the evil one. Is that like our prayers? Too often, if I'm not careful, it's not like my prayers. Too often my prayers are concerned with my name. My will, my kingdom, my glory, my physical needs. That's how sinners pray. That's how disobedient, rebellious people pray. The real difficulty in prayer is right in here. Our hearts are sinful and self-centered, and we struggle to get beyond that. In light of these truths, I leave us with two applications tonight. The first is that this seems to highlight the necessity of confession in our prayers. We can't fool God. We can't pretend to have kept His commandments or or to have done everything that was pleasing to Him, right? He sees all. He sees our hearts. He sees our lives. Part of being obedient to Him, in fact, really the the first step of being obedient to Him as sinners is to confess that we haven't been obedient. And to ask Him for forgiveness. The psalmist said, if I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. The best way to not cherish sin in your heart is to confess it. Confession is a necessary part of our prayer. Second application. The truth here ought to lead us to a fervent study of the Scriptures. I mean, where is it that we, that we learn what God commands? Where is it that we learn what a life pleasing to God looks like? We, we learn it in the Scriptures. We see the summary of it here, right? A life pleasing to God is summarized by believing in His Son, Jesus Christ, and by loving our neighbor as He has commanded. But as we, as we dig into His Word and as we feast on His Word, we become increasingly aware of what this means exactly for us in our everyday lives. Ignorance of Scripture and of the things that God commands and of the life that is pleasing to Him is going to lead to inconsistent, ineffective, unanswered prayers. And maybe that's, maybe that's some of our problem today. Maybe that's the reason we don't see and experience more power in prayer today. We neglect the Word of God, and therefore we only have limited knowledge of what it is that even pleases God. We are spiritual minimalists. We content ourselves with knowing and doing just enough to get by and to sleep good at night. And then we wonder why we ask. And do not receive. Beloved, may God help us obey His commands. May God help us do what is pleasing to Him. May God help us receive all that we ask for in prayer. Let's pray. Lord God, we confess that all too often we are disobedient to Your commands. That we do not trust in your Son, Jesus Christ, as we ought, that we do not love our neighbor as you have commanded us to. And Lord, this cripples our prayer life. Forgive us for these sins. Help us to walk in your way. 
and help our lives to be that soil out of which powerful and effective prayer grows. For the glory of the risen Christ, amen. Why don't you stand and I'll give you the parting blessing and then we'll sing our closing song together. Dear friends, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May He turn His face toward you and grant you His peace. Amen. We're going to close with number 277 in the blue book. The church is one foundation, 277. And uh, we will sing verses, we'll just do verses 1 and 2 to close, Carlene, verses 1 and 2.